He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intersection with the transgressors. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word and through our time together now. In Christ's name, amen. And um, it's a real joy to have you visiting with us this Sunday. If you're a first-time guest, if you've been coming for a while, uh, you know what we're doing. We are in the middle of preaching our way through the values of the church. And we've come to, uh, we, last Sunday we did... Uh, healing, and this Sunday we're going to talk about wholeness. And so if you are visiting, uh, we are doing something slightly different in that we're going to have a, an open conversation. Um, I am with uh, two members of the congregation who uh, work in the area of health and wholeness. And, uh, and I wonder if you would join me in welcoming them to the stage. They are Julia Fisher and Morgan Myers. Would you come forward and let's give a welcome. We're just going to set up the furniture here. So, Chris, if you'd give me a hand. Um, we were going to use stools, but that seemed wholly impractical for a reason. You'll see it in a moment. Um, ladies, come and join me if you get the last uh, look at the chair. Here we are. So, um, if you have not met Morgan or Julia, thank you, Chris. Um, 
they've been coming and members here at, uh, at St. Bart's a lot longer than I have. Uh, I've been here seven months. Uh, Morgan, you helped plant the church. And Julia, you arrived with your family shortly after. Yep. Um, I've been here a little over two years. A little over two years. Yeah. Yeah, so sometime in. And um, Julia, you work in the area of art therapy. Yes, and I'm a licensed professional counselor too, so I, you know, the talk therapy thing as well a little bit. And the way, you, the way she often speaks to me at coffee, I feel like she is a licensed professional, very <laughs> helpful. And, and you're, you are as well, Morgan, and you have founded the East Dallas... East Dallas Therapy, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Um, and so I wondered if we just start by looking at our readings this morning. Um, quite gripping, weren't they? Uh, Isaiah 53. If you open up your bulletin, it'll help you out just to follow along. Um, and when we talk about healing and when we talk about wholeness, there is obviously the physical aspect. But um, there is also the other uh, aspect, which is often to do with emotional health. And certainly I trained uh, in England uh, from 2001 to 2004, and very little in that time was taught to us about emotional health. And yet when you read Isaiah 53, let's just make a few observations, then I'll hand it over to our experts. Um, we see here the description of who Jesus will be and what he'll fulfill. And we see very, right off the bat in verse 3 that he was despised and rejected. Um, he, he is born grief, uh, someone else's grief. I mean, that's a condition, isn't it? Uh, and uh, he's carried sorrows for others. And uh, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and, and afflicted. And what's interesting, if you go on and then you compare Isaiah 53 with the New Testament accounts of the crucifixion, you'll see that the emphasis isn't so much on the physical pain that Jesus endured, but on the emotional and the spiritual um, pain that he went through. Uh, he says to Peter, doesn't he, in the garden, couldn't you just stay awake and pray? And of course, Peter drifts off. It must have been a comfortable spot. Um, and so tell me, as a um, professional therapist, can I use that term? Because I, I recognize I'm not a professional therapist. I'm a priest, and uh, as is Chris, uh, and, and as your priests, if a problem can't be solved with a prayer, we refer, and we refer, refer to the professionals. And I think that's just a good standard to set out because we, um, you know, um, the area of emotional and mental health is not an area where we want a lot of armchair experts. We'll save that to politics and, and the pandemic. I think that, you know, uh, sorry, that was a joke. There may be more. Um, and so tell me, that might have been a bit too risque, but anyway, too soon. Uh, Morgan and Julie, I don't know who wants to start, but as you heard Isaiah 53 being read, and as members of St. Bart's, what came to mind, and where did you see connections with what you do outside of the church in leading people to, uh, to health and to wholeness? Um, yeah, I, as I, I love this um, passage because it feels so human and, mm -hmm. and just to think about a, a God experiencing all of these emotions just like we do in those moments of weakness. So I, yeah, I think it, 
I relate to it personally, and it sounds like my sessions, you know, a lot of my sessions, these stricken by grief and um, afflicted, and, and I think it gives, I mean, it's really sad to know that we have to go through this, but then you also see that he went before us in all of it. And so, yeah, I think my role as a therapist, but also as a Christian, is to, um, to experience that, um, that healing force that God is, um, but also get to be a vessel for that too. And I think we try to divide up our healing, um, our physical healing with doctors and our spiritual healing at church and our emotional healing with therapists. Um, but really, I think God's presence is sort of bleeding into all of those. And we can't really, you know, with precision, divide up ourselves into these little pockets that we try to get professionals to fix for us. <laughs> I love that, that idea of the Lord leading us. When we're not in church and when we're seeking help from disciplines that maybe until recently, so in the last 30 years, there may have been a stigma attached. There's some church, it's some places still where there is a stigma uh, uh, around mental health. But, you know, if I were to fracture my femur, and I don't plan on it anytime soon, everyone would expect me to get a cast. But if I experience a kind of mental or emotional health trauma, the idea some, in some places of going for help uh, feels like the wrong thing to do. Uh, and Julia, tell us a little bit from your perspective, because you've lived all over the U.S. You're now in Dallas, to which we're thrilled. Um, tell us a bit, what were the connections were with you in this, in this passage? Um, I have lived a lot of different places, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, I'll actually start with how I was born and raised in Hong Kong, and I lived there for 18 years, and um, there was a lot of stigmatization against mental health there, and of course that exists all over the world still, but I feel like it was especially heavy there, and um, I saw such a need for that support um, very close around me um, and that people deserved that help but didn't have that accessibility, um, felt a lot of shame about reaching out. So um, what hits me in this passage, kind of like Morgan said, is how, how honest um, Jesus' experience was with suffering. Um, what drew me to this work uh, as a follower of Jesus was seeing the unseen. Um, I feel like God's called me to do that. And that started in a place where not many people felt seen for the struggles they had, um, or people that were kind of on the fringes. But even, you know, if you present well, quote unquote, you may have things in your heart that are unseen that need healing. And I, we all have that, um, you know, in different ways and different levels. So. Um, yeah, that, that's what strikes me is Jesus' vulnerability and how that vulnerability and that suffering and actually that brokenness is what leads to wholeness. You know, I, um, when I was in London, we dealt with a segment of the population that because of their, um, what they were going through, they would often end up in the psychiatric ward of the hospital, usually to do with a, um, an overdose, and I would go visit. And... Um, and then I would address everyone in the common room, and I'd say, so where are you going to church uh, when you get out? And, you know, they would laugh. And they'd say, well, why would we go to church? 
Uh, I said, well, why wouldn't you? You know, um, you know you've tried everything else. Why, why, don't, why don't you come and you, you'd be made welcome? And, um, you know, some of them did come. And it made for very interesting uh, conversations after coffee. Um, and it was just delightful to kind of see that kind of invitation uh, to those who would have self-selected not to come in. And um, it made me think, uh, even back then, that there is something beautiful that happens in the church when we begin to see wholeness as a multidiscipline, multi-level approach. So you're, I love what you said, because I feel it's so true, Morgan, that often, even in my thinking, I have little segments of where I go for what I need. But, you know, the Lord leads us in all of them. I think every other person here at St. Bart's is a therapist, right? I think, you know, we have that many, or a doctor or, or something like that, which is great. Um, and, but that multi-level approach of seeing God leading us to wholeness, which is really not that we would, um, and I love your comments and thoughts on this. And, and what that means is, from my perspective, from the church's perspective, is that we continue to grow in Christ-likeness. And that will look different for some people because there isn't a measure, right? It's not that we have a certain income, dress a certain way, but all are welcome and all are invited to get to know Jesus and with what they're going on to meet him in that and to follow him. So what are your thoughts? I know I've just thrown a lot at you, but your thoughts and uh, as that relates to wholeness and mental health. Yeah, I think um, I have a lot of thoughts. I think the, <clears throat> that people uh, experience God no matter where they are, um, whether they're broken or healed or want to be healed or don't want to be healed. And so, yeah, that God can walk with you in any of those steps. Um, and I was, I don't know why, but this came to mind. I, sort of accidentally started specializing with people deconstructing their faith and starting to doubt and or have a lot of baggage from the church having abuse or just kind of feeling used by the church or whatever and one of the things I say to them and sometimes they want to be an atheist sometimes it just depends they're all on different paths but I always say my God has you wherever you are if you end up dropping all of this and not engaging with it at all for a while, God has you in that. And I think that's another, I think another, um, another way that God walks with you through that, whether you're a redemptive story or not yet, um, that's something that, um, that feels really uh, striking to me as I walk with people. And then just to see, think about that for myself, that that if I'm like, no, I don't want to change right now. I like my sin right now, or I like, I like my comfortable bubble. Um, God's in that too. What about you, Julia? I appreciate that a lot, Morgan. Um, yeah, I. So when you talked about different aspects of our life and um, all of that, it reminded me of how wholeness is obvious often seen as self-improvement. I know we talked about this in preparation for, for this discussion, and I think that's so true. I think that I definitely fall prey to that. I think sometimes wholeness can be seen as um, actually 
pretty self-involved. It can become that way. It can be actually kind of idolizing the self. How can I check all the boxes off, you know, body, soul, mind, spirit, just make sure it's all whole and all great. But for what? For me? For others? For Christ? For a bigger cause? You know, what is it for? And so that's why I think Christ's message and Christ's life is so countercultural. Um, as I was thinking about this topic, Romans uh, 12, yeah, came to mind about being transformed um, by the renewing of our mind and not conforming to the pattern of this world. Um, and then also James 1, where it's like, you are complete lacking nothing because of your trials. <laughs> and what surprises me is it's not just because of our trials, it's because of the joy we have in our trials, which blows me away every time. I struggle with that all the time. But I think all that is to say that we are called again to being broken in order to find wholeness. And, um, and God's grace is so through that, right? Like, as Morgan said, how God will meet us no matter where we are. Um, but even looking at, you know, Isaiah 53, Jesus, body being broken, his spirit being broken, is a part of our journey to wholeness, I think, is just such a, an abstract, mysterious concept, um, but is something to meditate on, and, and the wholeness of ourself really starts when we look outward, when we look at Jesus' life and look at others, um, you know, dying to ourselves, all these things that just feel so counter to the project of wholeness for us. Um, and these are things I'm learning personally, so I feel passionate talking about them because they're, they're tough to, to figure out and, and be present in. Um, I don't know if anyone in the congregation is like me. I would hate to project my stuff onto anyone. Um, but, you know, when I'm around people who do the same kind of work I do, like I was last night, uh, the temptation is to put up this facade where, yeah, I've got it all together, you know, I'm looking good, you know, and I just put on this brave front. And I, what I love about our values, and they're on the last page of our bulletin, if you haven't seen them, you know, we start, uh, all of these things start with God's initiation, right? So God begins, right? God, before we were born, God began this work of redemption. Um, and, and our first uh, value is authenticity. And so, you know, we always have a choice and uh, to let it down our, our guard and not project that. And, um, and so I didn't. And, you know, they're asking, you know, how's St. Bart's going? I say, good, I think. Although I, I always expect, you know, a professional, more professional priest to come in and show me where I'm doing everything wrong. And, you know, if you do this, your church will be a thousand by tomorrow and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was just kind of, you know, I think we're, we're doing well. Uh, the, the, I haven't been fired yet. I don't know how they would fire me. And, you know, they were one of the person, people I was talking to was really surprised. And it, it created um, a space where we can have an authentic conversation that maybe we wouldn't have had if we just talked about numbers and how much money was coming in and, you know, the, the, the usual um, fake talk that can happen uh, in church leaders. But I wonder, you know, even that thing of willing to be appropriately vulnerable um, and having a space to come, especially if you are going through 
help with professionals in the area of emotional and mental health. Talk about the importance of having community where it's just not the, you know, the pleasantries being discussed, where you can actually go a little bit deeper and, and be in that place of being known. Because that's what grips me about the psalm, you know, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. Like, there are no surprises when I, walk in, when, I, when I wake up in the morning. He knows, right? So as therapists and as members of the church, just talk about what it, how it's helpful and how it leads us to wholeness to maybe find a place where people know us. I think that's our task as a, as a um, culture right now because we are so, especially after COVID, have become so, or had to become so self-reliant and there's a lot of fabricated ways to connect that aren't actually connection. Um, and it's terrifying. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in that, but it's terrifying to, to uh, put your heart out there and to ask your needs to be met and people can say, I don't, I don't have time to do that or whatever. Um, and that's one of the, I don't know about you, but many of my clients and people around me are so lonely, are surrounded around by people, but are so lonely. Um, and so it takes our humility to say, I need more, you know, and one of my own, my therapist, my personal therapist um, said, healing happens in pairs that you can't, and I, I would argue you and God alone can't create healing for you. Um, to, to let someone model God's grace and acceptance of you is how healing happens. So that could be a therapist, or that could be a friend, or that could be in prayer. Um, but we have to take that risk ourselves. And, um, and, and I'm learning that right now, to uh, be the first one to say, I'm weak, can you, can you meet me in this? Rather than hoping someone might ask, or, or hoping someone might get the hint, or read your Twitter or whatever and figure out you need more. Um, yeah, that's huge right now. Yeah, when you um, talked about self-reliance, self-dependence, um, it, it reminded me of how often Christ called us to dependence. And that again, that project of self-improvement as, uh, as trying to get to wholeness is very self-dependent. And it's very lonely. Like it seems like I'm gonna clean this up so that I can be in relationship with others and maybe so that I'll like myself better too, right? Um, but really, we're called to dependence on Christ, most of all, and then on each other, on that vulnerability and that openness and um, breaking open to one another. And of course, in you know, trusted spaces and with trusted individuals. Um, I, with my clients, that comes up all the time. Loneliness is present for all of my clients. And I mean, even for myself, I. I say all the time, I think the experience to be human is a very lonely one. Um, not to be, you know, wah wah, but it's, it's no one knows your experience like you do, except for Christ. There is the beautiful truth that we as Christians know. Like the Psalm says, it's like this amazing intimate poem about how Christ knows everything and still accepts us, that unconditional love. Um, but. I think we have such an opportunity to merit for each other, like you said. Um, I think, you know, we're all made in God's image, 
whether you acknowledge that or not. So we have that opportunity to heal with one another, to show that acceptance. And the fact is that we all feel it, right? We all want to be accepted. We all want to be witnessed. We come into the world needy as babies. Like we're all needy at some level. So how can we, um, you know, show love to others and also um, put ourselves out there to receive that love? In um, art therapy specifically, I talk a lot about process over product, because like an art class, for example, or any fine art thing, which is really wonderful and can be helpful in its own way, is um, more about the product, right? Like, we want to end with this picture or this look or something. But I talk about the importance of the process, and there's so much vulnerability in that. But I think that's also where the gems of truth and learning come, is by throwing yourself into that and taking a breath, calming the voices of perfection, of fear, of shame, and still showing up and in group situations, showing up for one another. Yeah. There's so much I'd love to keep talking to you about. And my mind is going in 15 different avenues. Um, but we, Rachel and I, have been uh, reading a book which has kind of put which is, I think it relates, it may be totally off key, um, but I think it does, uh, which is kind of this thing about the Christian life where we're caught in this, to hold this tension between these two very powerful things. The, uh, the God who does the impossible and uh, brings life where there's death and uh, does the miraculous and leads us into worship and, and we discover his love and run and can pursue the potential that is possible with him. And then on the other side, our own limitations. You know, uh, personally, I'm a father with three young children. That is glorious, but limiting, right? I'm, uh, we could talk, and there's something about holding those two in tension. And sometimes, I would say a lot of the time, um, as you've both said, we can't do that on our own, which is why the Lord created community, right, to bring us into it. So just as we wrap up, you know, as um, two of many in this profession here in the church, um, any final thoughts or prayers or like where your heart is about what it would look like to serve not just the church but East Dallas as kind of the, the vision of the church as we grow and as we serve the community, as to where your heart is and what wholeness and how we can help people in that area of wholeness. Surprise, that wasn't on the list. I think, I think just being models of grace to the community um, because our, our city doesn't know how to do that, I think. Um, we're a lot of hustlers in Dallas, so I think show, I mean, as a church, as a therapist, as people in the community, to let ourselves kind of be laid bare and, and show that we don't have it all together, but also to meet people in that too. Um, I'm thinking about uh, this song that I love by John Mark McMillan, if y'all know him. Um, but it talks about like the Greek gods and that, that they're always kind of like up there and they, they're all powerful and, and he's like, but I'll show you my maker and my, my maker has his heart strung out on the road and you get to, you get to walk and, and journey along with him. 
Um, and that's, that's our gift, I think, to the, to the community, is being able to, to experience that, but also have a maker who's gone before us in all things, and we can, um, it's that already, but not yet, that we can bring that healing here, but know that, obviously, that full healing comes in heaven. When he's talked about Greek gods versus our God, I, um, I, you just reminded me of how whenever I've read Greek mythology, I was just listening to like a lecture that mentioned this, Greek gods are very, they're, all, they, they're really stupid too, right? Like they make such like bad decisions. I mean, and, and I'm stupid as well myself, right? So, but it's, it's, um, it's like the all powerful, but, but, um, but that vulnerability and that wisdom and love and brokenness as Jesus showed is such a contrast to that kind of all-powerful, um, you know, uh, stature, which actually doesn't mean you're always making effective decisions or helping people. So I just, and that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I think having a space where people can be authentic, can bring themselves as they are, um, is a very powerful act to provide that space. Um, I want, you know, I think in the church that's important for sure. I think it should be the first place that shows up, and unfortunately, that hasn't always been the case. Um, as a Christian myself, I'm convicted to be that church as I walk around and convicted to be honest and authentic and a place that's safe for people to share. Um, and, you know, even like, if we have a space that's authentic and open and safe for people to come as a church, then coming into a service where you're enacting what the body of Christ looks like, culminating in the Eucharist, where you're literally consuming the broken body of Christ for our wholeness is, is what life is about, right? And that symbolic, but very, you know, also real um, act. Um, consuming Christ's body. So it's like this happens here, but how can we continue to enact it in our life continuously? Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that's, more be that's, a, that's more better than I could have said it. Um, we're, uh, we need to move on to the second act of the service, which is the Eucharist. But I want to thank you. Uh, I found this very enriching. Shall we give them a round of applause? I personally uh, love, yeah, you, you may leave. Yeah, that's enough yeah, of the spotlight for you, maybe. Uh, although we love having you up here. And it's just so uh, enriching, isn't it, to have... Um, a woman's voice from the pulpit, don't you think? I mean, that wasn't really a pulpit, but the stage. So more to come, more to come. Let's pray, and then we'll carry on with uh, what you all came here for, which are the announcements. So let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you for uh, your words to us, which come as uh, bearers of such hope. We thank you that your word says that a bruised reed you will not break, and a smoldering wick you will not snuff out. And so we thank you for those in our midst and those in our city who work in the various and varied agencies of health and wellness. We ask you'd bless them even now. And we pray for those in our midst who are uh, working through um, emotional and mental health issues. And we ask you to bless them.
and to lead them in that. And we also ask, Lord, that you would lead us as a church to reflect you not only to each other but to the world we're in. And all of this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.